Welcome to the Transform Podcast. I'm Andrew Farhat. Grateful that you're tuning in today. And my bride is back with us on the podcast today. Welcome, Daisy. Thank you. So great to have you back and with us. It's good and, to be back. Um, what a cool thing that, you know, um, I don't have to wait till, you know, evening time to see you. Uh, <laughs> I can see you even now. So that's great. Um, and we have a couple of really riveting questions I think are re related to each other. And so we're just going to dive right in. And the question is, is there a heaven and a hell? Okay, so that's like, all right, is this, is this real? You know what I mean? Like, we've heard about heaven and hell. Everyone's heard about it. But how do we know it's real and why? Like, why does that have to be the two things available? Right? Yeah. Um, and then, I think this is a really good question, is what should a person do before they die? Everybody knows they're going to die at some point. Mm -hmm. um, I think everybody would say, all right, what's, what are some good things to do before that happens? So we're yeah. going deep today. You yeah. ready to go deep? I'm ready. All right, here we go. <laughs> so I'll, I'll get the ball rolling a little bit with heaven and hell. And, and we always share our presuppositions on here. And our presuppositions uh, is Jesus. Okay, so we're Jesus followers. Jesus has changed our life, our perspective. We believe he's changed human history. He's changed everything. Um, and so if you are tuning in and you'd like to learn more about Jesus, there you can look back at some of our previous podcasts where I, where you and I answered the question, what makes Jesus so special? Mm. Like what sets him apart from any other religious founder that's out there? Yeah, and that I was think, a good one. Yeah. And I think we could, and I think we could show, you know, just we're very respectful of every other r religion, but I think. Jesus's resume blows out everybody else. So um, if you are interested in that, you can go and check that out and go for it. This is what Jesus teaches, and it goes like this. Heaven is a continuation of life with God. Hell is simply a continuation of life without a relationship with God. Yeah. And... So yeah, Andrew, can you tell me more about hell and what that means and, you know, how Jesus refers to hell in the Bible? Okay, so we'll just, we'll just start with hell because <laughs> I think that's what people probably would be more concerned about. You yeah. Know? <laughs> like no one wants to go there, I think. Um, but here's what I would first just start off by saying is hell is a concept people have believed in uh, from the beginning of time. So from the beginning of our, from the beginning of religion, uh, there is this concept of hell and that it is a place where uh, you don't, where God is absent. Mm -hmm. Okay, so God is absent. Uh, Jesus describes it in not a very positive way. Like there's people crying there. There's people that don't seem happy to be there. Um, and so uh, people have uh, believed in this uh, from the beginning of time, it, it's not a place that sounds attractive at all. Um, but then here is the analogy I would give, because I think people probably just are like, you know, we, I think we're in a culture we, where we don't like the concept of punishment. Um, so I just want to just share this. So you could think a lot about heaven as God's house. Everybody's invited to the house. Jesus invites everyone to the house. Mm -hmm. But then if people are disinterested in the house, if they're disinterested in God and they don't want to go in the door, 
Scripture teaches that God doesn't force people to go in. Mm. So Jesus says this to the Jews. He says it in Matthew chapter 3, I tried so hard to gather you, but you were not willing. Um, Stephen, he's the first deacon. He's described in Acts chapter 7. I believe it's about verse 51. He'll say to uh, the Jewish people at that time who were rejecting, he's like, you always resist (laughs) the Holy Spirit. Like, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. He is active to draw people to God. But Stephen's like just so just upset because he's like, you guys just won't cooperate. God's been knocking on the door of your heart. God's been giving you friends to share with you the love of God. God's just, and some of you, some people have heard some, you know, some Easter sermons or Christmas Eve sermons that really explained everything very clearly, but they just, they're just not interested in making any steps, mm-hmm. right? So it's, um, so it's kind of that concept of, yeah, it doesn't sound like a good place to go. God doesn't want you to go and you don't have to go. <laughs> so if you're listening and you're like, you know, um, you know, it doesn't sound like a good place. I don't want to go. We're going to talk about how you don't have to go. Um, and so this is just the way it is. And we hope, um, that you'll trust Jesus and what he's saying about these things. Yeah. Uh, but here, here's another concept that I think would also potentially resonate with a lot of people. Um, Daisy in this life, as you are aware, I mean, there's, there's some significant evil committed to other human beings. So, um, uh, I mean, the list could go on and on. Uh, I mean, but I think let's just name a few things that come to mind, you know? So I would just start with war, war crimes, <laughs> genocide, uh, murder, rape, you know, sexual molestation. Uh, it could be so many things that we would say, that's really evil. Now, here's a question. What if the justice system, or what if there isn't justice in this life due to a poor justice system? Or, you know, obviously people get away with war crimes all the time. Um, There's heinous evil that's committed. Uh, But yeah, I think we're a culture that wants to believe everybody goes to heaven no matter what they do. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of the general thought I've received from so many people and I've done a lot of funeral services of different folks and different belief systems. Mm-hmm. I think everybody wants to think everybody goes to heaven, but wait a second. We do also believe strongly in justice as a culture too. And so is it okay like you know for somebody who's really committed some significant heinous evil against others? that they just get to go to heaven. Like, I don't want to see Hitler in heaven. Do you want to see him in heaven? No. And I think, yeah, there's some confusion there in that we kind of want it both ways. But I do think the vast majority of people throughout time have thought that justice in certain situations is an appropriate response. And unfortunately, in this life, our justice system is not going to be perfect. And so I think that is something that does give us some peace, especially as we see um, injustices done to people that we love and that, you know, we know that in the end there will be justice and that God, although he's a God of love, he is a God of justice as well. And all of these terrible things that we see happening in front of our faces, that's not the end of the story. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not something that's just going to be passed over in the end. 
I think that gives me that gives me a certain amount of comfort just knowing that. That's I think that's huge because I think we are living in a culture today where we want things to be made right. We mm. want justice. We want yeah. you know evil to be to be put an end to, right? But see, God is saying, "Yep, I got it." And at the end, I'm going to make everything right mm-hmm. that wasn't made right in this life. Mm-hmm. And then, with that said, the legal system, the justice system, is also ordained by God mm-hmm. for discipline and punishment too. And for those for people listening, Romans chapter 13, I believe about the first. Um, 13 to 17 verses in there are, are talking about God has ordained the civil authorities or the governing authorities to administer God's wrath mm-hmm. on those who do evil. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's not just saying, all right, I, I got it in the next life, but he's got it now in countries who do have good justice systems. Um, so um, yeah, any, any more thoughts on hell or uh, anything there for you, Daisy? Um, no, I think, you know, let's, let's transition to heaven now, what God says about heaven. Okay. So Jesus has been raised from the dead. Uh, if you'd like to check out why we believe in the resurrection, you could check out a previous episode of our podcast and we, we really hit that hard. And I believe it was, uh, pastor PJ, our renewal church, uh, pastor, as well as Phil Barnard helped with those topics. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is a ton of evidence that Jesus actually came back to life. Mm. But here is the thing. We often think of heaven as uh, only like uh, a place, which it is. Mm-hmm. But I want to shift gears here to something really concrete and really interesting. Jesus's body is a depiction of what heaven is going to be like. Mm. Jesus's resurrected body which he came back to life, the public witnessed it, the public saw him. That body he had, he says, this is what you're going to have. So he's showing us. And I think we're often like looking for like a child to have like a near-death experience and then see what heaven's like and then mm-hmm. write a book on it. <laughs> but I would say, let's go to, let's go to Jesus. Yeah. And it's very concrete. And then here's what I could tell you. Um, and this is recorded by eyewitnesses, historians. We have... Uh, evidence that Jesus could enter closed rooms. So he would just kind of sh- kind of appear. So I think that sounds pretty cool. Um, <laughs> then he was also able to disappear. Uh-huh. So he would just kind of like be talking mm-hmm. and then he would vanish all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so also this sounds really good. He never needed rest. So for those of you who struggle with energy or fatigue or sleep, this sounds really cool. You just, you're always on, you have this brand new body. And then here's something that I think is really cool too, but he did eat. Mm. So there will be food in heaven. Yeah. And Jesus, after he is raised from the dead, he says, I'd like to have something to eat. Mm -hmm. It's in Luke chapter 24. But then here's another cool depiction is Revelation chapter 19 is this is a book by the Apostle John who received a revelation before he died. Mm-hmm. And he described heaven as a marriage party mm-hmm. <laughs> with food. Mm-hmm. Isaiah chapter 25, Old Testament prophet, 700 years before Christ, describes it with steak and wine. <laughs> so it's like, it sounds phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also, this is in Revelation chapter 1, Jesus, he, he is radiating. Mm. His body's radiating. Mm-hmm. 
So this is his eyes, his feet, his voice, his face. And so um, I would just say, man, this sounds really good. And for those of us uh, on this earth where we're like, man, our bodies are just not getting better decade by decade, there is hope for a better place and it's concrete. And what I've always found fascinating about those depictions of Jesus after he's resurrected and comes back to earth is that um, everyone didn't always recognize him right away. And um, there's never any explanation for that. But I think what makes sense is that his resurrected body, while it was him, it wasn't always exactly apparent that it was him because, yeah. you know, it, it's perfect. <laughs> right? It's a perfect body and none of us have perfect bodies. Hmm. So it makes me think that, you know, we're going to be in our same bodies, but they're going to be different right. to a certain extent. We don't really know what that looks like, but he had to open up his disciples' eyes at some point yeah. so that they would know that it was actually him. So it sounds just phenomenal. We're going to be like, it's you. I mean, you're... You're just going to get pumped up and, you know, um, that's, that sounds amazing. Um, and so, so Jesus's body, his resurrected body is heaven. But then I would say, Daisy, what does scripture tell us about where this heaven is going to be Mm -hmm. and take place? I think it's described in scripture several times as, um, this earth itself is going to be, Um, either recreated or renewed. Um, There's a great depiction in The Last Battle in C.S. Lewis's um, book, The Last Battle in the Narnia series that depicts this earth as renewed. And it's just, it's just one of the most beautiful things I've ever read. If you want just this great description of what heaven will be like someday on this renewed earth. Um, One of my favorite, all-time favorite passages in scripture is um, Romans Romans 8, right? Yes, it is. <laughs> I'm not that good at remembering your, numbers, your one. but um, it's one of my favorites. And it it talks about um, the earth right now, and it describes um, the earth and its suffering and its groaning, um, waiting with eager longing. The creation is in bondage to corruption. So it has this really um, interesting description of hmm. the earth. And then it takes... Um, that bondage and that groaning and um, shows how creation someday will be set free from that. Wow. And it says not only creation will be set free, but ourselves like will be set free too. And like you were talking about, it says we wait eagerly for adoption as sons and the redemption of our bodies. Wow. So that same thing that happened to Jesus where his body was made perfect, our bodies will be redeemed from the suffering that we experience right now. And um, verse 18 is just, I think, one of the most hopeful and beautiful passages in scripture. It says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Wow. And I think, you know, when we get so overwhelmed with this earth and what we see here, that, that verse really just points forward to the heaven and the redemption that's coming in the future. Absolutely. And I, don't you have the feeling like a lot of Americans can resonate with creation groaning and creation kind of having some more depth and meaning to it? I feel mm-hmm. like there's a lot of people that are really in tune with creation, especially out here in Colorado where it's so mm-hmm. beautiful. There's a lot to do outside and 
you just want to be outside. And then I think that passage, I think, speaks to people who care about the environment because <laughs> it's basically saying creation is eagerly waiting for this renewal. Mm-hmm. And it's so heaven is a physical place. We get a physical body. Mm-hmm. We get a physical land. And it sounds phenomenal. Yeah, so awesome. And then if you're listening and you'd like to get a more vivid description of heaven, uh, Revelation chapter 21 and chapter 22, the Apostle John, so he gets this vision before he dies. He's the only apostle out of the 12 that is not murdered for his faith. Um, And it sounds like God had a plan to give him this revelation. Here are some highlights. Verses 3 and 4 in chapter 21. He writes this, or actually this is, he's quoting God here. It says, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. You've heard me quote this a lot, so obviously uh-huh. <laughs> it's resonated with me because cause I've, you know, I visit people in hospitals. I do funerals, and so it's like people are suffering all the time around me. So it's like this says, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. It really speaks to people, and he's going to wipe away every tear from their eyes. So this is huge. And then... Revelation chapter 21, verse 23. Here's another highlight. Look at this. It says, The city has no need of the sun. And I think that that's a kind of a, a metaphorical language in terms of city. You know, so it's, it's de- depicting heaven like a city. Mm-hmm. But yet, it's going to be huge. It's not going to just be as big <laughs> as a city. Um, but it says, The city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light, and its lamp is the lamp. The lamb is referring to Jesus. Mm. So it's just going to be different. You're not going to have day and night. It's just going to be radiant all of the time. And so uh, quite phenomenal. Mm. Um, All right. So if you're listening, I think, though, that there's probably another question that you're wondering if we're going to hit. And I think it's this question, Daisy, and I'll pose it to you. Mm -hmm. Why do people need a savior Mm. to get to this promised land. Mm-hmm. I think you talked earlier about the, the evil that's going to be um, rectified in the end. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of us, we start thinking, well, you know, I, I'm a good person. I know a lot of good people. They're not committing genocide. They're not murdering. They're not doing anything morally that bad, you know, maybe a few little things here and there. So, what do they go to heaven do they go to hell like how does this work and um i think the question why do we need a savior is such a great way of putting it because i think we all know that um we can be living very moral lives and be doing you know good for the most part but um it's only god that really knows the inside of our hearts Mm-hmm. And it's only us and God who knows what really goes on there. And um, we all know that there's, there's, certain, there's certain sins or certain problems that we just don't feel like we have the ability to fix. Mm-hmm. We, we know like, hey, this should be better in my life, but I can't get there. Mm-hmm. 
and um, and I can try to do better and um, I can you know reason my way out of it but we really know like our hearts are not pure our hearts are not always loving our mm -hmm. hearts are not always serving God or other yeah. people and um, we tend towards idols and distractions all of the time and mm -hmm. and God knows that in our hearts and so you know sometimes I'll start thinking you know oh I'm I'm a good person I'm doing pretty good mm -hmm. and then God will remind me you know hey but there's there's this area where it's not looking too too great. <laughs> what about that? And it reminds me, you know, like I I need Jesus. I mm -hmm. need Jesus just as much as that person who, you know, murdered someone. I need Jesus too. I need him to save mm -hmm. me because I can't save myself. That's I so really humble. Can't. That's so humble of you to say. And I would say scripture really backs this up too in this metaphor. It says that the human heart is like an idol factory. Mm -hmm. An idol is a God substitute. It could be a person, it could be a place, it could be a thing, it could be a job, it could be an IQ, it could be the way you look, it could be money, it could be possessions, it could be a hobby, but it's something that starts to be all consuming and supreme and ultimate. And you talk about the human heart. The human heart has a propensity to, to, to be consumed with something, mm -hmm. you know? And then pretty soon that thing like starts to replace God in your life. It's, mm -hmm. And that's why it's called an idol. You're making an idol out of it. I think for those of us who know scripture, we often think of an idol with the you know, Exodus story mm -hmm. where they erected a golden calf. That's the famous story. Yeah. And that was like a, a sacred symbol in Egypt that that was like an idol. But yet scripture says our hearts are erecting idols all the time. Mm. So, here's the point. Everybody needs a savior mm -hmm. from sin. Sin separates us from a holy God because God is perfect and sinless, but we are sinful. So, in other words, light and darkness, uh, they're, they're not rolling with each other here. So, we need to have the relationship with God restored, mm -hmm. reconciled. The good news of the gospel is that God has sent his one and only son because he loves the world and that he wants to reconcile humanity to himself. So he demonstrates his love for us and that even while we are still sinners and having idols in our hearts, he gives us Jesus to make what's called atonement for our sin. He sheds his blood, our guilt, our idols, our, our sin is transferred to him. And so on the cross, he is reconciling you. He's reconciling me to himself. He's restoring the relationship. Jesus pays the price of forgiveness so that you can be forgiven before God. And on the third day, he rises again as victor over sin and death and the devil. And this is the evidence that God the Father accepted the sacrifice of Jesus. And so if you're listening and you haven't yet accepted the sacrifice Jesus made by faith, we would invite you to make that, uh, to make that from, a human from a human perspective, it's a decision to say, I accept it. I accept what he did by faith and I receive it into my life. Um, and so everyone needs a savior. 
Everyone needs compassion. And that compassion comes from Jesus Christ. And so as we promised at the beginning of the podcast, the, you know, we've covered heaven and hell here. But then the question that we also received is, what should a person do before they die? Mm. And I think that's a really good question that a lot of people would probably care for. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in. Uh, it's been so good to tackle this with you, Daisy. And if you'd like to submit a question, you could do so at hello at sjdenver.org. If this topic spoke to you and you would like to follow us, we would be grateful to continue to bless you. And then if you know someone who could also be blessed by this topic, we encourage you to share it uh, in order to bless their day. Take care.